0: we're back. I don't know for how long. I don't know what we're doing, but we are doing the Border Podcast right now. Scotty Conley here talking. Scotty the body. Uh, I am at our headquarters in Tampa, Florida. Um, Rob Marinick is at his house currently tearing down a mini ramp, uh, yeah. unfortunately. But um, before I introduce the first guest, I want to say thanks for all you guys that started listening last weekend or two weeks ago when we first announced that I was doing this and hopefully you guys will uh, subscribe, stay tuned, and uh, get a lot more cool stories about Tampa, a lot more cool stories about skateboarding, and more stories about whatever the hell I decide to talk about. And uh, once again, wanna encourage you guys to get out there and do your part, stay safe, Uh, wear the mask, come on guys, wear a mask, like it's not that big a deal. Um, You gotta go out there and protest, be safe, Look out for your friends, look out for your brothers, look out for your sisters, and uh, look out for yourselves, because that's really all you got in this world is yourself. So let's go. Bringing in my next guest. I'm so excited he's here. Been working with him, alongside him for the past maybe five years or so, but we've been in the scene together for such a long time. He's always been around. Uh, He is the sole proprietor, leader, organizer, creator of Grind for Life. (laughs) a charity that is uh, helping people with cancer. And we're going to get into all that and talk about what he does and then talk about his past and uh, how he kicked the shit out of cancer, not once, but twice, at two different stages in his life. And I'm going to talk about the future, the past, the present, and his memories and uh, the, the, the true story of a skater that, that, that went through the ultimate survival mission. So without further ado, let's bring in my guest, Mr mike rogers mike love you buddy glad you're here thank you for coming
1: thank you scotty thanks for letting me be on your podcast and let me uh tell the story of everything about skateboarding and uh what we've been through with grind for life and what we continue to do to help save people's lives by doing these skateboard events that we do with the border and the grind for life series it's amazing what work we do together um the border and grind for life is done um I call it a skateboarding miracle on all the good work that we we have been done over the last 6 years, you know. Well, I'm I'm honored and proud to be a part of that and be able to say that I'm a part of
0: this and uh it's always a free pass um if uh my fiance ever has like something that <laughs> she wants me to go to and uh, I don't necessarily want to go but there's a grind for life that day. I'm like, "Hey, sorry, we we got grind for life." And then n- n- like it's really like a, a debate ender because how are you going to i mean right you're, like you're going to tell me not to go fight cancer come on
1: like yeah when when skateboarding so is it, pretty to work it's, it's it's hard to say no to it you know it's hard to say no we have a great time out there um
0: but before we get to what we're doing now with grind for life let's get to how the whole story started with a uh, a 12-year-old Mike Rogers and a little headache um yeah, you grew up on the east coast of Florida, correct?
1: Yep, I grew up in, in South Florida, Lake Worth. I moved from Jacksonville. I was born in South Carolina in 1966, and then my parents moved to Jacksonville. They were there for about a year or so. And then when I was five years old, we moved down to Lake Worth, Florida. And um, I grew up in South Florida. And uh, I just moved to Cocoa Beach 16 years ago, so. Oh, okay. But it but, was. Uh, but you're. It was, but it was weird moving from um South Florida to Cocoa Beach because once you live in your hometown forever, it's kind of it's hard to leave there. But we had a better opportunity with uh they built a skate park in Cocoa Beach, so that kind of made me want to move up here. You know.
0: All right. And uh, you guys can hear the sound of destruction in the background at Rob's house, but it's all good. Um so we're going to fast forward to age 12. You were skateboarding. Uh you were already a skater and uh you got a little headache. Uh go to the go to the hospital and 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 uh you get a, the worst news anybody could get at age 12. And probably the worst news that at any parent can get at any stage in their life um diagnosed it's yep. aortic sarcoma correct
1: yeah um my sarcoma was some um, super rare rida sarcoma kind of like the original name of it and then um what it started out with migraine headaches one day and uh with sarcomas one day they start growing like a pimple they start growing really fast so this, when I was 12, I started getting super bad migraines because the tumor was growing and pushing the um, right eye out of the socket. Oof. So we went to an eye specialist, Dr. Newmark, and uh, he said, hey, there's something behind your right, right orbit. And they did a biopsy and they ended up doing the biopsy, but ended up doing the main surgery turned in. The biopsy turned into a major surgery, so we had a brain surgeon, the eye specialist, um, do a four hour procedure back in nineteen seventy seven so to have a brain surgeon there and remove it was a heavy duty situation. So they were able to remove the bulk of the tumor, um, ended up have to go down to Miami Children's Clinic. See, I had to travel at a young age, even from West Palm Beach to Miami, because certain cancers they don't know how to treat in certain areas. So even back then, I had to go from um, West Palm Beach to Miami for treatment. I was um, in the Miami Children's Hospital for 30 days, doing chemotherapy and and all that. And then they were, um, I went to the Baskin Palmer Eye Institute. And that's where they learned how to do, they first started doing radiation treatment, but they didn't, nowadays they mask people and they really precise on the radiation treatments now, but back then they didn't even mask, you just radiated. So um, they were able to put that cancer in It took like um, 18 chemotherapy treatments. So that was a year, a little over a year and a half of chemo and 30 rounds of bomb um, radiation. The radiation was um ended up towards the last thirty days of that I started getting radiation burns. So Ooh, it was a rough and, road back then, you know. But um and, uh, I ended up getting put in remission. So I was thirty-seven. Well,
0: and and I'm I'm just curious, what's the um like uh the technology for for cancer fighting in in 1977? What's what's uh like is 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 as much changed in chemotherapy and radiation since then I, i'm I'm completely yeah open.
1: we're we're light years ahead of what it was back then it was primitive, so they were just see yeah. I was treated as an adult when I was a kid they didn't have a treatment plan for the kids back then. there was only six cases of this cancer in the whole United States in nineteen seventy seven with the kids so I was only one of six kids in the country that had this and I was the only one that survived, so I'm just, I've been lucky my whole life, you know, be able to survive this super rare cancer twice, you know, it's not, scarcoma is only 1% of all cancers, so if you don't go to the specialist that super know about it, they go undertreated or overtreated, so.
0: Okay, and so, so so, uh, and so after, after those surgeries when you were younger, um, You were free, cancer free for for seven years, right? And then after so after seven years, they kind of consider that like the uh well they say uh right. They say like like after seven years, if it's not come back, like you're you're supposed to be safe, right?
1: Yeah, they say if you're um seven years in remission, you're cheered after seven years. What they did for me after seven years, they gave me a full like every kind of scan you can get, a CAT scan. Yeah. Brain scan, scanned my whole body, and there was no um, evidence of any cancer. So they said I was cured. Okay, so n- now uh, just so now you're like maybe like twenty
0: one, twenty two years old. When I was
1: done with all my treatments. When yeah, I was younger, like after,
0: after the seven year mark, and they said that you should be good.
1: Oh uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yep, I was, uh, see, I was first went through it with age 10 and all my treatments. I was done age 14. So, yeah, 20, about 20 years old, I went and got the, all the scans done again. So, yeah,
0: I was so cancer
1: must, free at like 2021. 20, you must have had a real righteous 21st birthday party, though, huh? I was already able to drink at 18. Nice. <laughs> it was so long ago. There was oh yeah, 41. that's okay. Okay, yeah, the
0: drinking age was eighteen back then, huh?
1: Yep. So way to eighteen, I was already having uh some beers and stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you turned twenty. Was legal? You get the diagnosis, the cancer-free, like seven-year remission. Like, uh, what? Like, what was your like your how, like what was like your uh your mental state at that time? Like, cause like you're doing this for like you've been dealing with this for 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 10 years and it's been in the back of your mind for 10 years they finally tell you you're you're, you're good like what what does that do to your like do you just want to go out and, and like skate just, every day meet every girl like talk yeah, shit that's to, how you do it. Talk shit to anybody you can because like you beat cancer you can beat anything like like I would just feel invincible and yeah, and,
1: that's how the mindset is after that. You feel invincible, you you're a hard charger at twenty anyway, you know. You Yeah. Was, see, after I was doing my chemotherapy and stuff in high school, I was I took two uh bodybuilding classes. Okay. <laughs> and so, so in high so, school they had bodybuilding, you could take bodybuilding. So what they did, I started uh lifting weights, getting my like when I started high school, I, I weighed seventy-six pounds. I was a super skinny just getting back on my feet, you know? So what's, what's high school like when you're going through all of this? Well, I, when I was high school, I was a skateboarder, super skinny kid. So you remember like the guys, so the guys who grew up in the seventies through to seventies, eighties and nineties, we always got picked on and stuff for being a skateboarder by the jocks, you know, like there's a skateboarder punk, you know, like it was, it was a, wasn't cool to be a skateboarder when I went to high school, you know. So it was a it was a struggle, man. I was a skinny kid, just getting my hair back, and it was rough, man. But I could skate. They had a hard time catching me. If anybody chased, wanted to mess with me, i had to skate real quick away from them and let it go, you know. All right. And then, <laughs> uh, so
0: this isn't uh, the the time frame um, during cancer where they where they take your eye, right? No, no, I didn't. So let's let's go to that. So you're you're 21, um, uh, you know you're you're back to life. You're back to work. You're you're uh, going for it. And then, geez, 25 years later,
1: tell us about what happens. 25 years later, okay. Let's go from um 20s. My 20s. Um. I still competed. Did a lot of skateboard contests, like the. I'm sorry. We let's go through the um. We'll do the '80s real quick summary of the '80s skateboarding. We still we did a lot of um. We were building a lot of backyard stuff, backyard mini ramps, and we had a place um, in the '80s that we could skate twice a week. It was Atlantis, Atlantis Gateway, and we had ramps. And we would um come on on Tuesdays and Sundays. We built a mini ramp in there. We did that for um, shoot almost nine years. We had that opportunity where we could have everybody get together, you know. And that would be the, where everybody would come from Miami, all the way from Jupiter, Florida, and be like almost a hundred kids, all of us in there um, skating, you know, at skate night in the '80s. And then um, in the '80s, also, I worked at a, a skate shop. I was a skate shop manager at a place in Lantana called Swack. In the 80s skateboards you had to do some drilling. You had to put on the nose guard, you had to put on the tail plate. You had to you had to drill all that stuff. You had T-locks, you know? So you're like
0: you're like a skateboard mechanic.
1: Yeah, so you were a skateboard mechanic in the 80s when you came to put boards together, you know, so and so that was the 80s. I lived through that high school, did all that fun stuff, did a lot of contests. And then in the 90s, I started, Um, I was a bartender. So I would save up my money. I got into surfing. So I would do a lot of um skate surf trips. Okay. So I would go to like Barbados, go down there surfing, bring my skateboard. And I would skate with the the Bayesian people down there. Probably just, like six guys on the whole island that skated. So. At, at that time, i come down there and skate with the guys down there, and it was super cool, surf, soup bowls, and all that good stuff. And then um, towards the end of the 90s, I I stopped drinking, and I got an opportunity to work at the YMCA Skate Park in West Palm Beach. It was the Olzer Skate Park. I started there the summer of 1998, and uh, there was a guy named John Woodstock, and uh, him and John Woodstock and Tim Payne worked together on this park. It was the first skate park it was built since um, Skateboard Safari is where I first started skateboarding at too. Right before my cancer, when I was a kid, I was already skating at Skateboard Safari. And then about a year skating the Skateboard Safari, uh, that's when my cancer came. And then I fought that and, and all that. But um, yeah, towards the end of the 90s, I got a job as the local pro to run the YMCA skate park from being a bartender. Being a bartender, you make a lot of money, but you don't have any benefits. So I got the job at the YMCA. I started out just helping out, and then I ended up being a director. So if you're a director of a program at a YMCA, you have all the great benefits. You get a paid sick day, paid vacation, retirement fund insurance all that stuff you know nice so So you're like a you're like a legit city employee yeah yeah you're well if you're hired too for a director of a program for ymca they hire professionals to run their their programs like track swimming they hire the pro they hire the pros and to do the um lessons and stuff so yeah i did that from the summer of 98 to 2000 I went I had to go 2003 is when my cancer came back so had to quit all that go to New York have a cranial facial resection with the brain lift done and um didn't think I was ever going to be able to they said oh we'll be able to do the surgery but we don't know if you'll ever be able to skate or do anything you know I had an 80% chance of not living after my second bout with cancer. That's what they told so, you before the operation is 80% chance of, of not making it out? Yep. 80% because you're having your, the second bout with cancer. It was a 17 and a half hour procedure. So what they did is they uh, lifted the brain, removed the eye, the cheekbone, half of the roof of the mouth. And then remove that and then take the right abdominal muscles and reattach all that. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a scary situation. The doctors, you saw your life away. You, but what I had in my favor is they had did the surgery 45 times already. So, plus, I was an athlete, so I was skating. Fifteen hours, twelve hours a day. You know, during yeah, the so summers, shape. and like
0: you took care. Yeah, of I was
1: in. I was super, super good shape. So, I think that's why they did the procedure. They wouldn't do this procedure back then. Anybody over fifty years old, and if you weren't in good shape, they wouldn't do the procedure on those people. So, all right. So, uh, how old were you when when you went in for that second procedure? Second procedure, I was thirty-seven, prime okay. of my life had a skate shop at the YMCA, a snack bar. Yeah, I'm, had...
0: I'm, I'm, I'm 37 right now. So that's really kind of puts things into perspective for me of, of what I would have to do in my life if that if that happens. So that's, that's insane to think, man.
1: Yeah, it'd be like you having everything set in your life, Scotty, and then your rug yanked out from underneath you and you got to go fight for your life. You got to go do a 17-hour surgery and you don't know if you're going to live or not. and at that time I had a snack bar, a skate shop and I was the director at the Y so I had three people that worked the snack bar. I had four people that worked the skate shop. I yeah. had five people underneath me that worked at the skate park. So I was the guy that kept everything running so I had such a great staff. I Always take care of my employees and stuff like I gave the, the snack bar people a a tab each day that they could get drinks and stuff, you know. And then skate shop guys, when they worked the skate shop, they could get some stuff from the snack bar, and then they always got a great discount on their their product if they needed something yeah. from the shop, you know. The, and, perks, the perks of the skate shop employee. Yes, far, far outweighs the pay for sure. <laughs> exactly. So if you got a good and all right, pay, it kind of pays off, you know? Yeah. And you're at the skate park and that's where all the action's at, so. But yeah, the staff held it through, held it together for me through my surgery while I was gone. So I was gone for six weeks Um, up in New York. I had to cash in cash my retirement to pay for all my travel and all my expenses back in Florida and in New York. But um me and Jill um were lucky we had some cousins in South Jersey, South Orange, Jersey, so we could take the transit into the city. So uh I was able to have a place to stay for six weeks, you know? For sure. And and uh gotta ask, what's it like uh
0: coming out of surgery? i I mean you open up your the, the one
1: eye you have left. And you're like, Holy shit, I'm alive. Like Yeah, I couldn't uh-huh. believe it. Yeah, that was um amazing. Um after going through that and waking up and then I was coming too, and then I seen Jill, she Jill, she goes, Oh, it doesn't look that bad. It looks like they did a great job. So I was like, Ah, oh, I made it through. I'm still
0: alive. Yeah, you ain't you ain't bad to look at.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just a little disfigured. They they, they the right yeah, side's a little disfigured. The other, the left scars, side's pretty handsome. Scars I got a handsome zero, left right. side. Scars are sexy, right? Yep. In my, I have a a handsome left side, so I'm good.
0: Well, you know you, <laughs> and, and you always uh, you always are sure to show off that good side in the photos at Grind for Life. Yep. So okay, you survive. What's the uh, um, how long does it take after like? you wake up, you, you wake up from the procedure and what's like the, the timeline, like before you feel like, like how long does it take to, to, I mean, like to, learn, well, to like relearn how to walk with, like, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure what, what the questions are to ask here. Uh, I, I've,
1: yeah. Well, after you, after you have a procedure like that, they want you to try to walk a couple steps and go back to bed, go lay back down. Yeah. Because they want you to get you moving around right away. So, like, they they thought I was going to be in the hospital for four to six weeks. I was in the hospital for 12 days. And I was able to get up and walk around one day after that procedure. So, like, that was the ticket of me being super healthy, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I – what my drive was, is I had a skate shop, a snack bar, and a park to get back to. So I was like, faster I could get things done, the faster I was out of there and back home, you know?
0: Are, are, you, so like was, baffling, are you baffling doctors at this time, or are they just like... like yeah, the-
1: they're just like, this guy is unbelievable, and his drive to get better is they've never seen anybody like that, you know, so... And it's are, funny how
0: how you hear that about skaters when they have like tragic accidents like that. I heard uh, like like uh, if you're familiar with the, with Danny Renaud, um, uh-huh. like he fell off the roof of a hotel like five five stories or six stories maybe, right? And uh, just like his whole recovery process was was constantly just like. Blowing doctors' minds, and just the the interviews I've read with him, and the stuff I've read about him, were just like how uh, like the skater mentality is like so crucial to the recovery process because these guys all they could think about is getting back to skateboarding, and they'll do anything that these people will say to get them back to skateboarding. And uh, I think he actually ran into a doctor that had a, a either a son that skated or like knew some skateboarders and, and just kind of like knew kind of who Danny Renaud was and asked around about Danny Renaud. And, and then he really right. helped him like went above and beyond what a normal doctor could do or would do for the amount of money that Danny Renaud had available to him. So he right. got a lot of help just because people could easily see that like, okay, this dude like wants to walk. This dude wants to like, this right here to do this and the same thing with with like john cardiel when he had his accident like, like right just all this stuff where just the doctors were just like yeah you're not gonna walk and he's just like nah dude i, I am i'm gonna walk out of this hospital and, well, and he did he did eventually so that it just speaks to like the strength of skaters and just like how we will do what it takes to get back on a skateboard and, and yeah,
1: like skateboarding saves lives. It makes you super strong. We get The wipeouts all the skaters take on a daily basis and get up from it. And that's a life. You get on bump in the road. You gotta um work your way through it. You know, and uh, being a skater helps when you have a um some difficult battles with your health or cancer. It like. Taking the wipeouts, like getting chemotherapy, you know, you're used to already taking a beating, your body's sore. It's kind of like chemotherapy. It makes you real sick and sore for a few days and then you get better. So being a skater with your inner strength that you have to get up from the wipeouts, this helps you in life, you know?
0: Okay. So you survive and is there still a timeline where they want to, Check up on you every year?
1: Well, when you first have a bout with cancer, like what I went through, it, it's you got to see the doctors every two months. So for six weeks, I was up there in New York, back and forth, getting checkups. I finished my radiation treatment. Radiation treatment. I didn't have to do chemotherapy on my second um, bout with cancer. I just had to do the net, the 17-hour procedure. Yeah, the cranial facial resection with the brain lift, and then fourteen rounds of chemotherapy, and then I was done. And then okay. my road, my road to recovery started um six weeks after my surgery, and then six weeks after my surgery, I went back to West Palm Beach. I would go up to New York every three months for just for the day to get checked out, and then I'd fly back home. And then I I already started working back at the the why I worked like a couple of days a week. And then I looked over my shop and then, and, but before I started back, how grind for life started was a bit, a benefit to get me on my feet. So the benefit was called the grind for life benefit. We did that on um, November. I think it was November 22nd, 2003. And that same day, we did the grand opening of the Jupiter Skate Park. And then that evening at 4, we did the Grind for Life benefit. We had Mike Villelli in town. He came out, did a demo. We had a bunch of pros, all the South Florida guys, Allie Dauphin, uh, Mark Lake, a bunch of people were there, Kelly Lynn, a bunch of the guys. We had a big session. We raised $10,000 that day to help me pay for my uh, my – stuff that the, expenses. The, helped me pay for my, uh, expenses while I was gone and my, all my copays. So that was like five grand I paid all that off. And I took, uh, paid some of the house bills up a couple of months. And then I started, um, looking into what, how to start an organization that helps people when they have to travel long distances for cancer treatment. So, we had a benefit and then in 2004 i didn't really know how to do the charity yet i was just doing um contests i did about four contests a year down in south florida and we would give that money to whoever needed it for travel or whatever so we only raised like i think in like 2004 five and six we raised like six thousand dollars to help people and i was still working at the y and then um 2007, Andy Mack joined my board of directors, and then we started a thing called the Clash at Claremont, the biggest fundraiser in skateboarding. And uh, that's when the X Games still built those vert ramps, those huge long like it was the um vert ramp from the 2006 X Games, it was 140 feet long, it had the elbow in it. Oh, low yeah, seat in the middle, yeah. And so, yeah, we um. Pacsun paid for that ramp to be re put together at the San Diego um, YMCA um, so wait did you say that Pac-
0: did you say Pacsun
1: yeah Pacsun paid for the vert ramp to get reset up they were the title sponsor they wanted to get do a big event and um, so okay cool i'm i'm lear- learning
0: a lot uh Pacsun has done something for skateboarding that's surprising to me but that's awesome
1: yeah, like we tied them in, and then they were our title sponsor for two years. But they ended up getting that vert ramp put back together for all the guys. They could ride that thing now. Like anybody could ride it then, because it was at the YMCA, you know. So it gave the opportunity for all this for all the um Tony, Tony and Andy and Bucky and Rune and Sandro and the whole vert squad had a place to ride a vert ramp then, you know. Nice. and so, and then we did a benefit we brought out um we had all the vert guys we did a bowl in a street. We had over a hundred and twenty pros come out and skate for the cause that day and uh that event helped with we split the proceeds, so half would go to grind for life and then half would go to the y m c a to build new stuff each year so um, we've been doing doing that event. we'd done that event for eleven years.
0: That's awesome. And I was always curious how how uh you decided to come up with the idea to help people with their travel costs. So now I know that it's, it's directly because of your experiences of going, going through cancer and the treatments and having to fly back and forth from New York to Florida for the specialized cancer. So now I, right. I know the, the origins yeah, I of had, you came up with the idea to help with that.
1: Yeah. Because I had to cash in my retirement. I don't have any retirement fund. now. I had to cash that in and pay for all my travel. Yeah. I had, and to, that's, start
0: and I had that's to start because, over. I had to start over in life. And that's because travel expenses and, and, and lodging and all that stuff is not covered by insurance, right?
1: That's right. But since we've been doing this, Scotty, we've, get, we've, um, we've shown a lot of people like St. Jude. They pay for everybody's travel now, too, because we used to help people get to St. Jude. Once they got to the St. Jude, everything's paid for. It. But how do you if you ain't got the money to get to St. Jude, how do you get to St. Jude? Growing exactly. for life. So we help people get to St. Jude. Some of the kids that have rare forms of cancer need to go to St. Jude because that was the only place to treat them. But now, in the last four years, St. Jude pays for them people to come there and get their treatment if they they have the treatment plan for them. And now the American Cancer Society does travel vouchers for people, and they just started doing that in the last three years. So I've worked with the American Cancer Society for years, all, all these things. See, we have all the cure, a lot of cures for the hardest treat cancers in the, in the world, in the United States, but they're not, the treatment's not always in your state. So you got to travel to get to the right treatment. And See, yeah, so, uh, and so we have millions of dollars that instead of it going to research, now it needs to go to people's travel because we have all the cures, but we don't, the people don't have the means to get there sometimes because your insurance only covers the medical and don't cover the travel. So yeah. that's where we we need to have, it's starting to happen. Insurance is starting to get where it's going to probably, I say about another four years or five years, insurance will start paying for people who have catastrophic cancers. It'll help them pay for their travel to get the right cancer treatment. See, Scotty, we've been doing this grind for life for 16 years now. Oh, I know. I know. I've been seeing you at the, uh, you've
0: been, at, you've been at the skate park of Tampa is is it, almost as long as I can remember. I remember when you first started showing up and, uh, it was like, Whoa, who's, who's this crazy looking guy with one eye? What's his deal? Like, but he's out mm-hmm. there getting it. He don't give a shit. Like, and, and uh, I was working at obviously, like I was working at the skate park of Tampa probably around the time. All you guys. Showing up. <laughs>
1: But, uh, you guys are there
0: and, th- and now you're like uh you're a, like a, a staple at at tampa am and tampa pro you always got a booth up
1: there you're right. always helping out yeah well we um you know the a lot of the organizations that are started now or the reason are organizations in skateboarding now is because there's a Hawk Foundation that started in 2002, and the Grind for Life organization started in 2004. Those are two of the first organizations in skateboarding. So to imagine there's organizations in skateboarding, that's how far skateboarding has come now, that yeah. we have organizations that help people, you know. Before, it was barely enough to get all of us together, build a ramp, and have a place to skate. Now we have all these beautiful places to skate. Now we have organizations that help people. So it's pretty amazing. I call it a skateboard miracle is how far we've come as skateboarders and what we've done to help people and save people's lives and who need to get to the right cancer treatments, you know? Yeah. And that's, uh, that's really cool to see, uh, St. Jude's and American Cancer Society
0: seeing what you're doing and kind of trying to, pick up on that and and, uh, normally you would kind of be mad at somebody for biting your idea but I I guess this one's like we're gonna let this one slide
1: well this is a bigger burden than grind for life you know we only raise we only raise a little bit of money Scotty doing these skateboard events we don't raise millions of dollars we raise hundreds and maybe a couple thousand dollars at our events American Cancer Society in St. Jude they raise millions and millions of dollars so
0: And, and that's cool that a company that's doing that kind of fundraising and, and getting that much money can look, look to a smaller organization just doing what they can and doing everything they possibly can and think like oh okay
1: that that's right. a really good idea we're gonna help we're gonna help with
0: that like
1: well the just, out, um, the need now for people travels that's the main thing in, in yeah all this cancer stuff everybody needs help with tra- travel so all the organizations now are getting calls every day you know is there any help for travel expenses so that's what they're getting phone calls for every day so now they're changing changing it over so we're a part of all that Scotty you're a part of all making change skateboarders always make change Yep, and it, it's
0: uh, it's always good to when we take grind for life to a city that we've never been in before and I get to like Spread that message of what Grind for Life actually does because there's still a lot of people out there that that don't know. Like they know They can't
1: put their head around it, Scotty.
0: They know it's a charity, they know it's skateboarding, they know that they know they support it, but they they don't exactly like I didn't know I mean I knew it was a charity for a long time. I knew it benefited uh, you know, people with cancer because it says it right there in your mission statement, like grind for life, helping people with cancer. Like, okay, like we're helping. I didn't know exactly what we were helping with until maybe actually like, uh, we first started getting involved with, uh, the border and you about five or six years ago when uh, the border just started as a company, didn't have any work yet. And good old MR hit us up and, and said, I got, I got a deal for you guys. Let's go, let's do this. So, uh, yeah,
1: like you guys, the border and grind for life is a blessing, man, to have, what we've been able to do to work together. All of us are skateboarders. We're easy to work with. We're easy to get things done, you know? So we've been able to do some amazing work, Um, especially where we, um, a lot of kids, if they don't think they're gonna do that well in the contest, they won't enter now, you know? So with us giving everybody their first contest for free and then they get out there to be a part of the community, they're going out there to skate to help people with cancer, learn how to compete, and uh, and all that is a beautiful thing, man. What we're doing is a beautiful thing, because then people can ride their skateboards and help people, you know, and that,
0: exactly what
1: we're doing, people, regular people can't even believe there is a skateboard charity, because everybody's got these ster- negative stereotypes about skaters, so. Right off the get go, if you say you're a skateboarder, ah, oh, them kids don't do nothing, you know? Like, so we prove them wrong with having this charity, you know? And I still have people say, oh, you know, they don't understand it. They can't put their head around it, man. So, pretty and, amazing uh, what we've been uh, able to
0: do. And that's really awesome. I don't know if, I, if I've ever told you this or if you knew this, but uh, Grind for Life was actually the first contract job I got with the border when the border was formed. I didn't originally work for the border. I didn't originally work here. Uh and it it I but I was always hanging around hanging around Ryan and just being like, hey, you're gonna need me. You're gonna need me. <laughs> and uh he did. And and uh I was I was all but out of the skateboarding industry at that time in my life and was just kind of almost like given up on the fact that uh I would be working in skateboarding and I was just looking for any other type of work that I could and I almost uh almost took a job at Boar's Head
1: (laughs) um, yeah Scotty when you do good things good things happen man you're come a long way I've known you since you were 13 and now you're now you're the main what was I wearing Mike
0: tell him I know you love telling it
1: when you're a heavy metal Scotty back then, you were all blacked out, wearing your your uh your uh metal bracelet thing. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: I, I I thought I was I thought I was a real rock and roller. Yeah,
1: but you were a rock and roll skateboarder.
0: <laughs> I liked it. I was having fun at that time, man. Like Well, that's what you were supposed to do, Scotty.
1: Have of fun. Of course. Of course. Yeah
0: but uh and you, so you had a
1: lot of fun
0: we had a lot of fun man we had a lot of good times yeah and I'm so happy to have been able to meet you and be able to come back to work for the border again and work with grind for life like very close I like grind for life is is the thing we're most proud of here at the border because I really feel like we kind of I mean obviously you created it and you ran it yeah but you guys so, took it like, to we, the I next like level we, I, I feel like we took it and and put it on this pedestal of credibility and, like, uh, like just made it a lot bigger than what it was, and, and with yeah. your help and with the help of some other sponsors, we were able to take it out of Florida, and now it's a nationwide thing. So people on the West Coast, North Side, South Side, East Side, West Side, we're all Doing grind for life, and we, we've taken it on the road. We've gone to Texas, gone to California, uh, Arizona, Michigan, and and man, we we would we'd be on the road right now doing grind for life. Right. If for well, what we've done,
1: Scotty, with grind for life has never been done before with the global rankings, the profiles of the skaters, and you know, what Rob has done. Oh, yeah. It's never been done before. We've there's never been an organization, that um, a skateboard organization, two two entities are doing what they're doing to help people with cancer and help skaters become professional skateboarders. What we're doing has never been done before. That's and, why uh, we have world champion skateboarders from our series: Alex Sargente, Zion Wright, Jamie Floyd, Jake Yardy
0: that's right you know, all like kids, adam
1: taylor like, all
0: these kids coming up out of florida that started skateboarding and start and they some of their first contests were grind for life contests and now they're like they're the top skaters in our world man like just like mike rogers said man zion wright jamie foy grew up best friends towns yep. over for me a couple towns over from each other skating grind for life coming to skate park in tampa skating those contests
1: uh, yeah, you would do Jackson. Grind for Life, and then you would graduate to the Tampa AM, is how it works, you know? And then yep. you win the Tampa AM, you're, then you're a pro skateboarder.
0: And then, uh, man, tell you about this kid coming out of Grind for Life right now that's just starting to skate Vance Park Series, man. Jake Yanko. Yep. He, Dude, he is just killing it right now. And I remember five years ago when he was just like a little scrawny kid kind of starting – yeah you guys have all the
1: footage of him back then you guys have all the footage
0: kind of starting to get his sea legs and like figure it out and now the kid is just destroying the world and every single person when we go to Vance Park series they're like who yo who's that which kid who is that kid right and it makes me so
1: happy to be able to be like yep that's Jake he's from Florida we bet like we like him he's one of our guys like yeah, and Jake he also is my sk- camp skate camp counselor helper for the last two years too.
0: That's so right. he's that's helped
1: right. me um get a lot of people started learning how to skateboard.
0: And it made him do camps like, and uh, then we
1: get we get the that, kids in camp and then they graduate to the series. So is that
0: still like Cocoa Beach Skate
1: Park? Yeah, we still do that. Jake he's getting ready to go to California, so he's not really He's getting ready to go to the next level, so he graduated yeah. from um, for, you know, helping move the camps and stuff. So, and then you got so I got, got, uh, got hard to
0: I'm sorry, you just helped get a new park built in West or uh, West Melbourne, correct?
1: Yeah, West Melbourne. We got yeah, um yeah. Tim Payne to get that built. It was um, it was hard to build the West Melbourne park because they started it right before the summer, and then summer hit, and we had a couple of, um really bad tropical storms come through when they were building that so they got like tremendous rain and then it it stalled it for a month you know they were halfway into building the flow bowl there and then they got all this rain so they had to stop building that for a month and then they had to let it all dry out and then they had to start building it again so it was a rough one to get that um part built but Tim Payne they did a great job you know that's um jake yanko's home stomping grounds yeah uh
0: i checked it out last time because uh my, my fiance lives like or her my fiance's family lives like five ten miles from that west melbourne park so i got to go check it out the last time i was over there visiting it oh, looks nice. pretty rad can't wait to do can't wait to do an event there
1: yeah that's a, um all wheels park so you can ride your wheelchair your bicycle your scooter your skateboard your skates. so if you don't go out there at the right time, it kind of gets hectic. Oh, <laughs>
0: I'm going to bring some crazy things on wheels over there and test that. I'm going to bring a power wheel, a big wheel. Yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> One that of those people do scooters, that over there.
0: Those scooters that you sit on and rocket. It. It's like a snake board, but a scooter style that you sit on. Right? All those. I'm going to bring them all to West Melbourne Skate Park. People are going to love you. Say what up to, uh, what's the homie over there, Dan Hatcher?
1: Dan Hatcher, he yeah. love you.
0: Graffiti Skate Zone represent.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: nice. So, uh, yeah, we went over your past, went over kind of what we're doing with Grind for Life. Um, I want to talk about this, uh, this project that you've been working are on, you- trying to work on,
1: trying to make happen, the, the Grind for Life <laughs> Wellness House. Yeah. We're, we're trying to do this grind for life wellness facility. It's all like really skater friendly, um, yoga, light, light, um, weightlifting, treadmills, um, eating properly, no, um, eating properly with, uh, no artificials, no processes, no artificial, you know, this, Real ingredients, you know, like
0: yeah, yeah, and and you're trying to create this for uh, for uh, for cancer patients to be able to stay at,
1: right? Well, with the wellness facility, we're trying to do it where they can come there and get their strength back and get back better, you know. Okay, so on it's a more good, a rehab
0: facility. Yeah, it's
1: like a physical okay. therapy place for um after cancer treatment, but it will be geared for everybody it'll have certain days. It'll be like a, say like a YMCA has a lot of programs that you the community can be a part of. Yeah. So that it'll be a, um, kind of like a wellness facility for skateboarders can come, their family and everybody can work out, skate, eat, learn how to eat properly. There'll be seminars there and all that. It'll be the first ever like skateboarding. Now we've come so far, like, there's so many people have been broken off from injury of skating, cancer, diseases, and all that. If you have a, a place where you have instructors that can help people get back to their strength and get better, you know, we need something like that. There's a need for that now.
0: Yeah, I know a couple of the the uh, bigger companies, like uh, I know Red Bull has, like, a full uh, full training facility for their athletes to go, and they can, like, get better after injuries they can just go work out they can go do physical training physical therapy any type of uh
1: yeah uh, they have checkup or
0: procedure or um, uh like any type of rehab like they'll they will they take care of their people man and a lot of people have a lot of like not nice things to say about red bull because of what they are but who cares look what they're doing for these people
1: yeah, like, Red Bull. I know
0: I know skaters that that didn't ride for Red Bull and and will never ride for Red Bull, but the people at Red Bull saw how important they were in skateboarding and say, Oh, you just had a double ACL surgery. Yeah, you can come work out over here. Come work out with our people. And right. they're so gracious with, with uh the people that they have available to them and they're you know letting other people come in and and, and reap the benefits. And I know Nike has a similar program, and they have a workout facility for their athletes. And uh, it's, and, and right. I, I honestly feel crazy referring to skaters as athletes. Um, well, they are I mean, athletes. They yeah. are they are these days, man. Like the the '90s, uh, like Taco Bell diet and. <laughs> going to work. Wake up on the floor of somebody's apartment, and 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 maybe like have a homie crack your back, and then go to a skate spot. Like that's done, man. Like. These people are full-on training for the Olympics, and it's insane to watch.
1: Not even the Olympics. Just to be a um, standout in the ska- the Vans Park Series. You know, you got to be on your game. You got to go to bed early. You got to eat right. Oh, yeah. Sometimes some guys are out there skating in 100-degree temperatures, man. Your body's got to be conditioned to be able to perform in 100-degree temperatures, man. If you're out drinking the night before – not eating right, you you're gonna run out of energy, man. You're not gonna be able to compete. Your body's gonna shut down. And then when you're out there, be taking it serious, and you wanna some of these guys are winning twenty thousand dollars riding their skateboard at one event, and then they get their endorsements. You know, it's a, it's a great way to um have a nice lifestyle. You know, have a nice life, pay, buy you a house and all that. You know. Oh yeah. The guys who are new, the new millennium skateboarders, the pros, they've They've never – the guys from the 90s and 80s never would have had – they never had the opportunity like the guys have today, you know. So a lot of yeah, the older guys when tell, you, tell uh, me.
0: Like, we'll be at Vance Park Series and and, and hear some of the, the things that these skaters are complaining about, and we're just like, wow. Like, really? Really, dude? Like, come on, man. like.
1: Right. Yeah, like what we have now, like for the younger guys, is such a huge blessing they can make a living riding a skateboard. Like when I was, like I did some pro competition, I was a freestyle pro. So I like, if I got $100, I thought I was doing large. But I always had a job, you know. Like yeah. if you were a 90s pro, you still worked. Unless you were the Bones Brigade or somebody, you know. <laughs> That's how it was, you know. Like if you're a 90s pro, you still had to work a job. Like you would work in a skate shop or you would work cutting grass or something. You know, you had to do another hustle to um, make make ends meet. You're a pro for world, but also packing boxes for world. Exactly. So, but yeah, we've come a long way. We have, you know, there's physical therapy guys at Red Bull. help those guys get back their strength and all that. So that's what we want to do with the Grind for Life Wellness Facility. And we're on that way. We have a lot of people looking at the idea that it's gonna happen. It is gonna happen. I I say after this virus step all clears out, I say 2021, we're gonna see some big things happen, you know. And uh, are are you uh, are, are
0: you especially at risk right now for coronavirus because of your past with cancer? Is that like a
1: is that an issue or a concern for you? No, because um, I have a super strong immune system. So the last four years, what I've changed in my life was the eating process, the eating, um, my eating lifestyle has gotten a lot better. It's all organic. Um, Yeah, I'll have some sugar in my stuff, but it's raw sugar. So it's natural sugars, you know, natural ingredients. So it's, your body breaks it down and all that stuff. So, yeah, I've been um, I got off all the water. I was um drinking a lot of sugar water, vitamin waters, yeah. and stuff like that. So now I just um have some green tea, drink a ton of water, do a lot of smoothies. I teamed up with this new company called New Greens, and they um, they source uh, all their their um vegetables and fruits from the United States. It's all dried and packaged here in the United States. So I've been doing that. That's been making me feel really healthy. So yeah, Scotty, all this, um, virus stuff. If you have a good immune system stuff, your chances of not getting sick from it a lot better. It's the people who are compromised with, um, bad immune systems who are not in good health. are the ones that are really taking the brunt of this, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, all right. Well, so we went back. <laughs> we, we uh, we went through your your career. Um, went through uh, your two wins, zero losses versus <laughs>
1: cancer.
0: Uh, undefeated, yep. uh, undefeated. I always refer to Mike as the undefeated, uh, reigning, defending champion against cancer. Yeah. And uh, dude, I had I had I had an, an idea one time when we were trying to figure out something special to do for a grind for life awards show, uh-huh. I actually thought it would be cool to have somebody, uh, like I was going to wrestle cancer.
1: Like no, in, a, in, a,
0: in a professional wrestling match. And, uh, like I was, I, I don't know what, what a, a cancer costume would look like, but I was going to have somebody dress up as cancer and then wrestle him. And yeah, then, you would
1: have to make it like a cancer cell, like a big yeah. cancer cell.
0: So, so, so the, the angle was going to be that I was getting my ass beat by cancer. And cancer hit uh-huh. me with a steel chair. And cancer comes off the top rope. But just when things are looking bad, Mike Rogers is going to come and uh, hit cancer from behind and knock cancer out. And then I'm going to pick up the win. Nice. <laughs> but that was my – Ryan quickly said that, that that's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, some people might have taken that a little weird –
0: but um, <laughs> I, thought it would be, I, I mean, I'm just always looking for like a creative way to to right. present the product and, and uh, uh, just do something that people aren't expecting. And I've just been a you know, you know, I've been a pro wrestling fan my whole life, so I'm
1: wrestling's the best, man. I've always Dusty, been Dusty Dusty Rhodes. That's right. <laughs>
0: I've always been looking for an opportunity to like combine a skate event with wrestling, and I know they did it at Vert Attack in Malmo. And I'm really jealous because they did it first. So now if I do anything involving skating and wrestling, it's just going to look like a copy of them.
1: We should, um, at the Grind for Life Awards ceremony, bring in a wrestling at the border, build in a a wrestling match, and get some of your wrestling bros to come out and do a demo, wrestling demo. Or it would be cool to have Pat DeWitt
0: as my tag team partner.
1: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right, these are all things that need to be uh, discussed behind the scenes in a in a professional meeting type atmosphere. Um, but
1: that's a good way to do some wrestling at the Grind for Life Awards.
0: Hey, maybe, maybe, maybe you'll see that at Grind for Life in twenty twenty one if you can come to our Grind for Life events, because we're working on we are currently working on ways to do uh, socially distanced Grind for Life. Um, we're right now working on it on one where you just go to Lakeland Skate Park film yourself doing a line and then you submit the line to us and we will judge it. And that's, that's a good
1: thing. What that's going to be
0: rad life right now. And uh, until we can all be together, like 200 people at a skate park in one day until that can happen again, we're constantly going to be looking for ways to uh, reinvent skateboarding events and how they're run. Well, and
1: how they're well Scotty, we got the, um, we're almost there. The end of, end of July, we can do one at Cocoa beach skate park we got the approval so
0: well we'll see about that I'm sure uh my guys Dylan and Ryan behind the scenes are working feverishly to run any <laughs> of event that we can in any space that we can but also as safely and responsibly as we can
1: yeah we do it like um, we did um Zephyr Hills like how we did it at Zephyr Hills we had everybody social distance and then uh there was no handshakes or high fives, there was elbow bumps, you remember?
0: Yep, yep. And that was also like probably the last possible weekend where we could have gotten away with doing any type of public event before yeah. we started getting shut down and parks started They shut
1: the world down. down after that. Shut, after shut the, the world, world down. <laughs>
0: we,
1: like, so we
0: just felt lucky that we got to get that last one in. And
1: yeah, then that was started, good.
0: And then started getting going on ideas for how we could do an event with a, a small amount of people and a small audience and we we figured some stuff out so yeah
1: the one GFL we did at the border was good .com.
0: check out gflseries.com uh go to the border.com/gflseries uh hit up grind for life on instagram facebook twitter foursquare uh yep uh you won't find mike Roger, rogers on Tinder. He's been. <laughs> no, nah, you won't uh, find
1: him there. I don't even you know, know what that is, but I don't want to know.
0: I don't know. I not
1: uh,
0: I heard I'm, glad it's, I'm not. I'm glad I'm not dating in this new new society of online ness. It's just. It's it all, all
1: fast. It's called speed dating. A speed date now. It's hard to find the right one. to just speed date everybody. It all looks messy and complicated. <laughs> but uh, on that note.
0: Mike, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for skateboarding. Thank you for what you've done for all the people across the world uh, living with cancer and trying to figure out how to get them to their next cancer treatment. Uh, you really, people people say this with a grain of salt, but you really are doing God's work out there. Um, helping yep. people live and using your story of survival as inspiration to all these kids, whether they're whether they're hit with cancer or not, they can see right. you and what you're doing and uh, get motivation and inspiration and, and, and live life to the fullest because they see what you're doing. And right. So for that, man, thank you. Good luck with the Wellness House. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to uh, come out and stay there and, and cook some organic, free-range uh, something, asparagus.
1: Steak, burgers.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: yeah scott you've been a big blessing in my life in the organizations a lot of people come out this to hear you um talk on the microphone you are um a great MC. you're a master of your craft and you've helped save a lot of people's lives man so thank you the border
0: i know you're happy to do it and uh, uh we're doing it all Just so we can ride skateboards, man, it seems like a silly concept, but dude, people will do anything for it and I'll do anything for you. And I know you do anything for us and uh, we're going to wrap this up. So this is uh, Scotty Conley. This has been Mike Rogers. This was the border podcast and thanks for listening. Hope to see you next time. Take care of yourselves. Be safe out there. Be, village, be vigilant, be strong, be supportive of your brothers and sisters. And we're going to wrap things up on that. Goodbye. Sharka.